And it is what's involved. And I've got to tell you, for this particular edition, uh, when this book first came across my desk, I got incredibly excited. And then I thought, I have to talk to this man. Uh, so we managed to make it. He's kindly agreed to have a chat to us. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Adi Pinar, his latest book, Life Profitability, The New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. And you can see why that title got me straight away. Welcome, Adi. Good to have you along with us. Thanks so much for having me this morning, David. So you've, you've fitted quite a lot of living into your life so far, yet you, you don't look uh, like you're 120 in the shade and that you're stressed <laughs> out of your mind. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your journey. Tell me a bit about Addy. Yeah, I mean, and that's actually an interesting place to start, right? I think, um, you know, the one thing before I you know, just get into a bit of my backstory and how I got to where I am today, I think, you know, David, there's, if I've learned one thing, it's when we look at other people around us, uh, we never know the full story. So like uh, in, in your perception, I don't think you're entirely wrong, right? Um, I am not, you know, as I said here today, chatting to you, I'm not the most st stressed person ever, right? I think there's many more people, um, you know, around me on this world that's more stressed. Um, but that doesn't mean that the last couple of years, you know, for me, just personally, right, in my unique experience of this world, didn't have its own challenges, right? And I think the reason I always say that is it's easy for, for, and I do this sometimes as well. I look at other people and I say, you know, hell, like they're so successful. They've got everything figured out. And um, it's, I don't think it's always the case, right? We, we only, we only know light because we only know dark and there's, there's always a, a flip side to, to that story as well. So I, I always wanted to, as I said, you, you mentioned it and I thought I would um, take things aside slightly. Um, but for anyone listening that doesn't know me, Kind of proudly South African, firstly, born and bred Capetonian. I now live in the kind of out in the winelands of Cape Town uh, with my with my wife and, and two boys uh, who are six and nine. And um, most people would know me as um, someone that has built and sold two uh, software businesses over the years. Um, the kind of the, the, the biggest success was probably my first business, which I kind of built the first product for in my final year at Varsity whilst I was studying accounting at Stellenbosch. And there's a company called WooThemes and WooCommerce. And WooCommerce today is uh, probably after Shopify is the kind of the most widely used e-commerce platform in the world. And we built that from Cape Town, South Africa, um, which I think is, um, is a really fun story to tell at least. And then I think the kind of important parts there is kind of along that journey going from, you know, the first successful business to the second had a you know, kind of a, a failure and a stumble in between. Um, I've since kind of gotten to, you know, starting a new business again, because I've learned that that's just the thing that I do again in the software realm. And um, just before that, I got stuck into writing the book which is Life Profitability. And the biggest part of why I wrote that book was, um, as I mentioned initially, is to start acknowledging the the non-business, the non-professional, the non-ambitious things that I kind of only got to realize much later in my life was a challenge along the way. So even though I had all this business success, there were many things in my kind of personal life that didn't work out um, in the way that I hoped. And I created a lot of collateral damage um, there, um, which is how I got to kind of this notion of thinking through like, if I start a new business, what, um, how can I build a better business? Um, and essentially not build a better business, but essentially kind of live a better, better life whilst building that new business. Fantastic. I mean, you're right. You've, you've glossed over some of the hard times and everything. And um, I haven't spoken to one entrepreneur that has not failed a couple of times that has not had 
challenges, problems. First and foremost, uh, congratulations on being a, a reformed accountant. I think that's quite good. <laughs> uh, but secondly, is is you know one of the inspiring things about talking to people like yourself is the fact that you are proudly South African, born and bred, live in South Africa, and yet you managed to create two amazing businesses, which which you sold. Uh, was was that your intent right from the beginning to create something, you know, add massive value and then sell it on? No, um, not at all. I think, um, especially with with WeThemes um, and WooCommerce, right, David. I think um, this notion, firstly, that or uh, taking a step back, um, you know, within the software realm, we often hear about venture capital and all the capital flowing into kind of your tech companies. And um, when I built the first, you know, kind of product back in 2007, uh, and even as a kind of, you know, accounting, uh, you know, accounting kind of pre-grad or graduate, um, and then you know, did my, my honors in business management, um, the notion of venture capital, for example, was a it was part of my intellectual or academic understanding of the world. This is how kind of business works. And even though kind of that was the case for my co-founders and I, we never thought about raising venture capital for WooCommerce. We just thought about how do we build a business that's profitable? Right? How do how do we build a business that allows us to work on things that we want and kind of you can pay pay us a salary instead of us having to work for someone else? So, I think to that extent, like even though there was a, a, a kind of a, a trend for companies to raise capital and to focus on building something and selling it to, to someone else, that wasn't part of uh, what we did. And I think I don't mind. I don't mind, you know, kind of entrepreneurs selling their businesses. I think, in fact, I think it's an amazing experience to do so. Um, there are many, many benefits that go with it. What I just kind of um, always deter, you know, kind of new or first-time entrepreneurs to think about is don't build purely to sell because I think that focuses you on the wrong goals. I think the the goal of kind of you know, building a business should always be about how do I kind of about that journey, right? About from that day one when you start something to when you eventually kind of you sell or or move on. And I think if you are so focused just on the end, you're going to gloss over important bits and, and crucially not necessarily just in the business, but the important bits in life um, as you go on that journey. I'm sound advice there, but now a question that I would, I would like to ask is, you know, WooCommerce, let's have a look at that. And I know one of the things that uh, we need in this country uh, is we need more entrepreneurs, number one, and even people who are, self-employed, maybe they only employ two, three, five other people, but we need them. And we hear so much about this fourth industrial revolution and going online and, you know, you can make yourselves an absolute fortune online. And yet very few people seem able to do that. Now, you've created the software and it's it's done fantastically well. Um, in fact, in, in the other side of our business, uh, we use WooCommerce as well. So, you know, in terms of, of, of people that are thinking about this, because in this country at the moment, there's a lot of people that are kind of lost. They're, they're a bit in between. They've either been retrenched, COVID has messed them around, whatever the case may be. And they, they're sitting here wanting to start and wanting to do something. And if you listen to some of the internet gurus, it's quite easy. You buy their little product and it's point and click. You sit back, you'll make yourself a fortune. That's not true. Is it possible to make money online still these days? 
definitely. I think there's, you know, every day worldwide, there's new businesses popping up. Um, and, you know, six months, 12 months down the line, they have significant new businesses because they've had all of that growth. So I think that is definitely the case. Um, I think two things probably that I will add there, David, is that I think um, there's a lot of romance about starting a business in general, which I think um, is inaccurate. I like one of the th- first things that I you know, do and kind of uh, when I chat to someone that wants to be a first time entre- entrepreneur is I actually deter them from doing it. Um, I actually stress test their motivation for it because I actually think that you know, most individuals are better served to work for a really great company and a really great team, um, you know, working on a really interesting pro- you know, kind of a problem or, or project for them. Because that path is, for most people, is a more guaranteed way to succeed in life, right? Um, we all know the stats around entrepreneurship and how difficult it is for, for a business to survive, to survive. So I think that romance is, um, is inaccurate, firstly. And like the, the, the caution there always is for... For anyone that wants to buy a book on entrepreneurship, and especially these, I know about many of these gurus that you refer to, um, like, please don't do that, right? Like many of those people, they have not, they make money by telling you how to make money, which is not the way, unless you do the exact same thing, you're not going to be able to learn from them. So I deter people from from doing that. The second part is probably easier, which is um, it is really hard to get attention for a new business. That's the, I think the biggest difference from when I built the first product for WooCommerce in 2007 compared to, you know, launching a new product, whether digital or physical today in 2021. Um, it is much, much harder to get attention because, and part of it is because it is so easy to start a business today. So in every single space, in every single kind of niche, there's just more people trying to sell, you know, the end customers uh, things. So if you want to do that, I think really, really, really get intimate about solving a really specific problem for a really specific type of customer. And what that typically means is find one person to pay you for something and then find a second person where you can replicate what you did with the first one and take on that learning. Oftentimes when I chat to especially young entrepreneurs, they have these grandiose ideas and visions and it might be viable. But they kind of they almost start at step number ten, when they still have to figure out how to how do I go from step one to ten. Um, so again, as I said, like the the mismatch there generally is like, can this thing, this idea that I have, does it drive real commercial value um, for someone, and can I find more of those someone's over time to create a, a viable business out of this idea that I have. Yeah, once again, very sound advice. And, and you know, uh, you can hear that that comes from the heart. This is what's involved. My special guest is Adi Pinar. Uh, we're talking about his latest book, Life Profitability, The New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. More from Adi when we come back. And we're back with what's involved and my special guest, Adi Pinar, Life Profitability, The New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. That is the book. And it's one that that I thoroughly enjoyed going through. And I think we're going to dive into this a little bit. We might meander because I tend to meander a bit. In the book, you know, you state right on the cover, The New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. Now, I know a lot of people who are in the entrepreneurial space. And according to them, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you give up on everything that's fun and that you enjoy. And it's this hard grind 24-7. And uh, one day you might reach this mythical goal that uh, you've set for yourself. You don't feel that way. No. Um, in fact, I think um, 
you know, a, a big part of, I, you know, I, I think a big part of being an entrepreneur is uh, really going inwards for me, right? And trying to figure out like why, you know, why do I do these things? Um, and I think just the my realization there, David, even though that you know, kind of money still makes the world go round, right? I think, you know, capitalism is the predominant. Um, you know, methodology or system that we use worldwide, especially in the Western world, in terms of how we run our societies. So I can't ignore the money part of this, but I think being an entrepreneur is about much more than that. And the biggest part of it is about, you know, if you, if anyone is familiar with Maslow's hierarchy is ultimately about that self-actualization. And I think money is just a, just a small part of that. The other parts really, you know, is, you know, for me, for example, is about, you know, being able to make things, being able to create things, you know, having an opinion about those things that I put out in the world, or ultimately kind of you're doing things in my business that helps me kind of live, live the kind of life that I want, which should include things like my family, right? And my, and my home life and making sure that I can make due investments there. Um, so that's, that's the kind of thing that I, that I'm trying to flip the conversation or add to the conversation about entrepreneurship but is that it's not as, as narrow as just saying, you know, work really hard um, for for years and years and years, and there's going to be financial reward. I'm trying to figure out how like, how can you still do that whilst also in the kind of interim have a really great life journey that doesn't neglect all those other important parts of ourselves uh, and our lives. Yeah, well, you see, this is now the the, the twenty million dollar question because, as I said, it's it's one of those growth at all costs and in. Uh, a lot of times the guys wake up uh, when they've hit what they determine as success and there's just all of this collateral damage lying around them and uh, most of uh, most of their life has kind of gone by. So we are looking in terms of what you're suggesting um, and it's a trend I've noticed over the last year or so, businesses, people are becoming more conscious, they're becoming more aware, they're becoming more human. So this is the premise of your book. So, so where would we start, Eddie? I think the kind of a, perhaps just defining um, you know where the term life profitability comes from, David. And um, the very simple kind of definition there is, you know, if we consider profitability in the way that most of us would understand it, which is financial profitability. What I really wanted to think through is, you know, how would I build a business that is not just financially profitable in that kind of narrow sense of the word, right? But is also kind of profit, life profitable in the broadest, most diverse, most holistic sense of the world. And when I say that, as I said, I think I start thinking about my my own life portfolio. So in the same way that I think about a kind of investment portfolio and you want to have different asset classes and things in that investment portfolio, uh, that's how I think about my life portfolio as well. And to that extent, I think, you know, kind of my, my work, my financial success, that is just one of those assets or stocks in my life portfolio. But there are many other things there, whether it's my, my as I mentioned, my family or my home life, um, my family being my highest value, right? Um, or whether it's about creating space for me to kind of you know, geek, about, geek out about wine or, uh, you know, play some FIFA on my PlayStation. That's the only game that I play these days as, a, as an adult, at least. Um, or whether it's kind of, you know, exercising re- regularly and making sure that I stay healthy and I sleep well, etc. Like all of those things are in there, um, in that life portfolio. And I need to figure out like, how do I essentially run and build and grow my business in a way that kind of not just doesn't detract from 
that life portfolio, but actually empowers that life portfolio. Because I think your know, life comes first. Work is merely part of life. Like I don't think, you know, I don't think we live to work and neither do I think we, we work to live. Um, I think work is just part of life. So the thing I should be optimizing is life, not work. Yeah. And this is the challenge because, you know, you, you end up uh, as an entrepreneur very often. And I know one of my shortcomings is if there's only one person that can do it right. And that's me, uh, which is a challenge in and of itself. Uh, but also that, that, that burnout, that sort of lack of sleep um, and lack of being healthy, what that can do in the long term. You know, it's all good and well if you have a business that's making money, but if you're an absolute emotional and physical wreck, what's the point? So, so we, we then, Addy, if I understand you correctly, we start to decide what is important in our lives. And the nice thing is uh, in the book, you've got uh, in those various uh, chapters that you go through, um, you talk about it. It's, it's very much, I think, a roadmap. So we've now decided, okay, you know, this is this is what we want to do. We want to break this this traditional uh, mold of what an entrepreneur is. But how do you then go about doing this? What are your steps that you follow? Totally. So I think, like in that um, in that kind of you mentioned roadmap, right, David? I think the way I kind of visualize this for people, firstly, is um, and and this is on the book cover itself. Uh, it's not as evident on the book cover. Uh, it's slightly so it's a bit of a metaf metaphor and a kind of you know, a visual attached to it. But is this idea of concentric circles and the concentric circles? There are three layers to that, and at the core, you have yourself. Um, and then the kind of next, you know, circle outwards from that is the others in our lives. So whether that's kind of your family, friends, um, you know, our employees, our team members, or customers, you know, all of those stakeholders would play into that realm of others, our society as a kind of or our community as a, as a whole, for example. And then only that last layer is almost the kind of the business, which becomes more of a, a canvas for the other things to kind of you know, play out on. And as a manifestation of doing the first or getting the first two concentric circles right, right, that self um, and the others. So I think if I kind of you know, gave someone that kind of roadmap, um, my first kind of um, advocacy almost for anyone is to to really go kind of sit, um, you know, take a step back from from life. Uh, I go, and I said, you know, go inward again uh, and start with your own personal values. And the reason I say that is, you know, regardless of age, many of us have those things that are kind of deeply important to us. And those things, like if we cut away the clutter, we will probably come to a few things that have been very important for us for a long, long time. And those things are unlikely to change significantly going forward. Like, yes, something that is crucially important today um, might not be as important in 10 years time, but it's not going to change on a week to week basis, right? I, it's not me saying, listen, you're, um, I you know the the tires of my car like they need changing and I'm gonna need to change them on a kind of a, on, a, on a monthly basis or whatever the case is. Maybe I'm a heavy driver. Like these values are things that are kind of more persistent in the kind of in the medium to long term. And the reason I suggest that everyone gets clear about what their personal values are is I don't believe it is possible to to build a business or to start any kind of professional endeavor. So I don't think this just applies to starting business. If you're, you know, kind of employed working somewhere else and you're truly ambitious, like the same thing would apply here. If you aren't in alignment with your own values at the start of that journey, there is 
almost zero chance that you're going to kind of you know, grow your way into alignment uh, of those values in kind of two, three, four, five years time in future. So, and the reason why that is the case is if you're already out of alignment, if this opportunity that you're pursuing in your kind of your, in your own business or professionally is already misaligned with who you are, right? Like that misalignment is going to stay there. And on that journey, there's only going to be one common denominator, and that's going to be yourself, right? Um, everything else can change. The kind of the, the product can change, customers can change, team members can change. Um, you know, people get divorced, families change. Uh, you can move country, so your surroundings change. Everything else can change, but you're still going to be there. And I think facing that, um, I wouldn't say it's a hard truth maybe initially, but that truth about who you are already um, and trying to work with that, like that's, I think, is as crucially important as as anyone starts. Um, and again, hence why I mentioned earlier, like depending on what that, you know, what that clarity kind of you know, brings for any individual, the the best answer might be that, hey, this, you know, this entrepreneurial path is not congruent uh, with what you want to achieve, or it's not the best way to achieve and serve those highest values, um, there might be alternative routes to actually doing that. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm laughing a little bit now because uh, just before we started, I said to you, I, I might tend to go off on a tangent and uh, the interview is quite selfish for me because I'm fascinated about what you do. This has now become even more unprepared and more of uh, of me just, you know, flying off the cuff because my cat has just come and sat on my notes that I've that I've sort of made and he's lying right on them. So from now on, we're flying without a safety belt. Just saying. Perfect. Per perfect. <laughs> anyway, it is what's involved. My special guest is uh, Adi Pinar, uh, author of Life Profitability, The New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. More from Adi when we come back. And we're back with Adi Pinar, and uh, we're talking about his new book and about life and all sorts of things in general. Uh, his new book, of course, Life Profitability, The New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. I suggest you go out and get the book if you are in any way, shape or form entrepreneurially minded. Now, Adi, just the other day, I was uh, chatting to uh, Pepe Marais with about his uh, new book, 10 Habits That Break Habits. Uh, and we got into a very interesting space where he said, what is your purpose and what is your business purpose? And he said it can be broken down into one word. And him and I were chatting afterwards. And when I came to my one word, um, I've literally been gobsmacked since then. And I, I'm still trying to figure out my way around that one. But you mentioned now that uh, you've, you've started these two very successful businesses. You've sold them. You've moved on. You're now in the process of launching another one. Are we, are we in a place where you can talk about that? Uh, yes, totally. Cool. So there you are in the Winelands. I could think of worse places to be. Uh, what sort of said to you, Addy, I need to start another business. And how did you decide what that business was? Because now you're basing it, I, I assume, on your definition of life profitability. Uh, yes. So I, I think crucially, um, kind of that is what I was hoping to do here is, is, is really start a business and um, do so in a way that I can kind of prove out this this hypothesis that it is possible to build a business that is life profitable. And I think as a as some context there is many of the ideas for life profitability kind of you came to me and uh, it was learnings from building my previous business Convergio. Um, and I did that very collaboratively with my, my team there. So I think we kind of, again, like that was, that was the kind of the precursor at least to 
coining the term life profitability as well is is really that culture that my team and I created. So uh, the idea of the new business at least is like how do I how do I now do that and you know not be not be a complete hypocrite about the things that I'm you know trying to advocate for here. I think the kind of what the business is, um, David, is that um, it's it's another software product that's aimed at at e-commerce brands. So, uh, which would make it the third, right? It's just I think to that extent, it's um, probably hits two boxes for me, which is it's a intellectually stimulating challenge, um, a and b. It's in a space that I know well. So that's the kind of deciding the the idea itself. The the why for starting a business. Um, is probably more interesting. And for me, there I think there's a few things there, right? Um, I think uh, they're not very close to, to, to my art in terms of why I want to start a new business. So uh, I've mentioned like one of them being, I'm a, I'm a creator and a maker at heart. Um, so I really wanted to do that. I wanted to create something again and put it out in, in, in the world. Uh, and my way of doing that is just the business, right? I think there are many other ways to do that, whether it's kind of writing a book, whether it's art, um, like there's many other ways to, to create something and put it out in the world. My, mine is just building businesses. Um, the second part of it is that I really love, I really love building teams. And my, my co-founder and I, we are very passionate about trying to, especially within tech, which is generally very homogenous, right? Um, very, very white, for example. And I say that in a um, in the most sincere way that I can. Um, you're trying to build a team that is very diverse and starts changing the kind of complexion of what the kind of your know, greater tech ecosystem looks like. And again, like that, that really plays into, as I said, my love for building and leading a team, as well as finding those truly unique, magical um, you know, individuals and you know, creating opportunities for them to to grow that magic effectively. So those are really things that were top of mind for me um, in building a new business, much more so than the financial success. Because, uh, admittedly, and again, I say that from a privileged position, if you know, if if this business does not work out, um, I have the space to to reset and try something else. Which means I am in that fortunate position that I can optimize for other things um, in in that business, which as I said, is creating something new and building a, a really, really diverse team. Okay. Now, just whilst you're doing this, give me a, an example then of uh, a life or a day, <laughs> a life in a day. Sometimes I feel I live that. Uh, a day in the life of, of Adi Pinar. I mean, are you now, as old Tim Ferriss uh, like to say, are you now able to do the four-hour work week uh, or is that a myth as I suspect it is? <laughs> I think um, I think if you even if you asked him, um, I don't think he ever worked only four hours. Um, at least initially, right? Maybe he does today, but um, I think the kind of four-hour work week was just to prove a point. And I think um, I only ever skimmed through the book. By the way, um, I read the abbreviated version, so I understand the gist of it. And you know, ultimately, I again, like, I would take that with a grain of salt. Like, no significant successful business was built on only four hours a week. Um, but what that means for me and my kind of your work day and work week, David, is that I have flexibility at least, right? I I have the space to decide how how urgent and how important some things are, um, which ultimately means if I I tend to my best example is probably you know if I take my Fridays, I 
tend to never have scheduled meetings on a Friday, trying to you know, clear my calendar. And on some Fridays, by lunchtime, I tap out. I like I don't do work, right? I, you know, start my weekend early almost. Um, whether that's kind of you know with a, a little lunch, catching up with a friend, and then that just rolls into a braai on you know on a on a Friday kind of early evening, right? And then on other Fridays, I have one of my per- most productive kind of your know, deep work sessions that I had that week. And I think like for me, when I think about the way I work and in a kind of in a very small sliver of how I would define life profitability is to be able to work in a way where I can follow my own kind of natural energy and have that flow state and not have the business dictate this year 80, like you need to push through 80 hours this week because that's the only way to make progress in the business. I think that kind of, you know, that binary thinking, um, that's when we get ourselves into a bit of a kind of a, you know, between you know, a rock and a hard place about how to, how to move this thing forward that we're we're creating. So um, I said my my weeks tend to I like the flexibility and I like the newness every week. I obviously have habits, but I don't cling to them. Um, habits and routines, but I don't cling to them, you know, too tightly. I I, I prefer the slightly looser approach and uh, you know, literally playing playing every week um, as it as it happens. So uh, that's quite incredible. I mean, you know, just the fact that you you talk about uh, taking your Fridays off, uh, weekends as well. I mean, uh, you often hear, if you're an entrepreneur, there is no such thing as a weekend. Um, f- on a fundamental level, I disagree with that because I think when I'm not stressing about the business, which I think any entrepreneur or business person, self-employed, does all the time. Uh, you know, they wake up in a cold sweat at two o'clock in the morning, um, but when I'm most creative and when the ideas come to me is when I get out of my own way. And that often is when I am relaxing and enjoying time with family and friends. Do you find this? Yes, totally right. So I think, um, you know, the, the, the most recent example is, um, I had a really fun stretch of work last night from eight till about 10 when I went to bed, right? Because that's when um, you know, many of my international friends in the States and customers were awake and things like there was just a lot of energy there. And I followed that, right? And similar to what kind of you said there is, I often on Saturday mornings, um, you know, the, maybe the family and I kind of, you know, we spent some time together, you know, having breakfast somewhere, going for a hike, whatever. And then when we come back, like mid-morning on a Saturday, everything is calm. Um, I've got kind of mental space, right? Mental calmness. And then I often have an hour or so of work, right? Where I am just kind of, you know, calmly and proactively, um, you know, thinking through what the next week looks like. And oftentimes that just, you know, means, you know, catching up on a few emails, moving the kind of, you know, the needle forward on a few smaller things, Um so like, I don't think, and again, like, I think it's that, that, that binary notion that we need to try and isolate kind of work from life. Um, and again, like, I think work is just part of life. And I think that the, the better answer here is how can we ensure that we're kind of present in the most optimal way in whatever we're doing right now? Um, because then we're not trying to fix time and saying, you know what, you know, I need to be present at work from nine to five. And then I, you know, be outside of that, I need to be present elsewhere. But instead if the question is just like, what is the most important thing in this moment? And how am I, you know, how can I ensure that I kind of um, honor that moment and just be present? I think that's a much better kind of compass to figure out like, should I be thinking about work or should I be thinking about playing Legos with my kids in this very moment? 
Yeah, off the top of my head, Lego with the kids would win hands down. But anyway, um, this is what's involved. My special guest is Adi Pino. Uh, we're talking about his book, Life Profitability, The New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. It is an incredibly well thought out book, incredibly well written. And uh, if you are, as I said earlier, of the entrepreneurial mindset, this needs to be on your bookshelf. Uh, we'll be wrapping it up with Addy when we come back. And we're back with What's Involved and my special guest, Addy Pinar, talking about the book Life Profitability, The New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. So, Addy, you mentioned this new business uh, that, you were, that you're busy with and you're busy creating. How far along the road are you with that business? Yes, so um, we we raised a, a, a kind of what the what TechCrunch would call a pre-seed round of funding um, about two months ago. Um, I was um, I'm absolutely ecstatic, by the way, to to actually have a, a bunch of kind of friends and founders um, in our space that participate in that round. And, and crucially, you know, for many people listening to me and saying like, you know, AD has probably had too much of his own Kool Aid. Here is, um, you know, one of the investors uh, who still runs his business was a direct competitor, literally direct competitor of ours in my previous business. And even though we were competitors, we were still friends. And so much so that kind of, you know, now in a new venture, um, he is willing to kind of, you know, to to, to back me um, and participate in, in this journey. So, just a kind of small little tidbit to, to prove that, you know, many of these ideas that I share in life profitability isn't just, you know, isn't just the Kool-Aid, right? And and me trying to propose something that is completely not feasible. Um, but so we raised that kind of your PC round of funding and I've been slowly building the first version of our product whilst kind of you're in, kind of hand in hand to that, working with a, a handful of pilot customers essentially. And, um, I'm happy to report that we have our first revenue now and the kind of the first version of the product should be publicly available um, to kind of more users outside of that kind of pilot group uh, in the next two or three weeks, uh, depending on how quickly we manage to kind of build the last few bits. Sounds fantastic. Now, is, is this something you said it's in the, in the, the digital space again? Is this something that is, is, is going to help uh, people that have the, the online presence and the, the, the shops or whatever the case may be? Is that what it's targeted at? Yes, um, and probably for a slightly more, we're, we're targeting a slightly more mature um, kind of e-commerce store at this stage. So, so the product is called Cogsy, which is derived from the acronym Cogs, which is cost of goods sold. And essentially what we want to help those brands do is help them make smarter inventory purchasing decisions. Um, and for those that are financially inclined, what it effectively means is how can we, um, you know, help help brands to kind of just optimize the working capital that they need to put into holding physical inventory, right? Because the biggest difference between a software business where you don't have to hold physical inventory to any kind of other business where you do have physical inventory is that if you if you get the decisions with regards to inventory wrong. Um, with physical inventory, there is significant cost involved. Whereas if you kind of write a bug in code, for example, in software, it is like, yes, there might be cost involved, but it's generally much easier and much quicker to actually rectify that. So that is that is what we're kind of working on uh, at this stage. Uh, and it very much is, I think the kind of biggest thing, David, is again, talking about at least having clarity around, you know, my personal values is, uh, you know, all the way from, the first kind of product I built with WooThemes that then became WooCommerce to my second business conversion now with Cogsy is the one recurring theme there for me has always been how how can I help small 
businesses. Um, and this very much falls into that realm. Um, interesting enough for anyone that's, um, <laughs> that um, is wondering what a small business means, um, an SMB, right? Small to medium sized business or SME, small to medium sized enterprises. The internet defines it as, as one to 300 employees, right? Which um, anyone that has run a business knows that, you know, five or 10 team members to 300, like are vastly different beasts, but they're all considered SMBs, right? Um, so I've always tended to focus on the lower end of that. Uh, and just have a huge passion for kind of ultimately creating solutions. And, and again, like the way I create solutions is mostly through building software, but building software that helps those businesses be slightly better. And um, you know, with Cogsy, the hypothesis is there is that if we can help you make smarter inventory purchasing decisions, we probably help you create additional cash flow and profit, which you know ultimately gives you optionality. You know, you can either reinvest that into growth initiatives, is that's what that kind of what's best aligned with your journey, or you can kind of distribute that as profits and you know reinvest that, that in kind of other spheres in your life outside of the actual kind of your business or work. Fantastic. It sounds like something uh, sounds like something that's going to be much needed. Uh, in terms of, of, of you being a South African and being a proud South African, uh, is this business going to have a positive impact on South Africans? He says South Africans. Um, that's always, that's a really great question. Um, and the answer is probably no, that's not what I'm necessarily optimizing for David is, um, you know, we are building a kind of a remote business and team and period. And I, like, I recommend that, you know, every business, if you can do that, like do that, you know, tap into the global workforce. Um, it is, is a much better way of building a diverse team um, and doing so in a cost-efficient manner because you can essentially, uh, you know, be creative with the composition of of the team by leveraging different different economies, different geographies, different time zones. All of those things can be beneficial. So, to that extent, no, my, my focus isn't South African, and that's not because I'm not kind of patriotic. Um, I think it's just you know the the first. Um, the first goal here should be to create a business that's economically viable. Um, and the second part should be that kind of, you know, patriotism. What I do hope though, is that, um, as I, I mean, I started off introducing myself and saying that I am proudly South African. And I think the, you know, what I do try and do is when I tell the story, when we tell, like when my co-founders and I tell the story of WooCommerce, right? Um, you know, few people in the world you know, know that it originated in South Africa and it is actually a South African success. Um, so we try and fly the flag to that extent. Um, and, you know, kind of, you know, trying to build, build, build brand South Africa to that extent, right? That's the first part of it. And the second part is, is I hope in telling my story um, and the way that I've managed to build two kind of global businesses while still being in Cape Town, I hope to inspire other entrepreneurs in South Africa ultimately and say, you know what? you don't have to move to Silicon Valley to build a successful tech company, right? You don't like, you can do things from South Africa. And in fact, I think South Africa is such a great place to do it because we have such a unique culture and way to think about life. I think that one of the benefits of being in South Africa whilst building my businesses is the fact that I never subscribe to the echo chambers that we often find in kind of, you know, major kind of major cities, major tech hubs. Um, and I had a different perspective, I think, which is 
which has been a competitive advantage. So I would say double down on that, double down on the fact that we live in a country that offers a lot um, and has a generally low cost of living, right? Um, and do that arbitrage. Um, and by all means, if you if you can build a, a global business or at least international business from South Africa, then you know that makes even even more sense. So um, as I said, like those are as I, said, I don't think the business itself has a kind of direct impact or benefit to South Africa. That's not what I'm optimizing for, and I I wouldn't pretend that that's the case. But as I said I I still hope that there is that halo effect where. Um, you know, I, I said I, I wear my South African, my South African nature um, and nationality on, you know, proudly on my sleeve, and I hope that that has kind of effect of building brand South Africa and inspire, inspiring other South Africans to, to do things that you know are aligned with their unique magical selves. I think you you are doing it, and I think it most certainly will, and certainly it's such an inspiring story, um, Eddie. Just another another question. Um, if you were to give anybody that's listening to this, that's thinking about being in a business or that are already business owners, what piece of advice would you give them? Ooh, um, so similar, um, I would want to think through a similar kind of answer. The question would be slightly different, whether it's um, someone that wants to get into business or someone that wants to kind of has a, has a business and kind of is finding them in a, in a bit of a tough spot in, in that business, right? And I think, the, the question I would go back to is like, wh- why? Like, why do you want to start a business? Why are you kind of, and why did you start this business if you started it a while ago? And I think, you know, crucially, David, is that if you ask many entrepreneurs why they want to be in business or why they started their business, they tell you kind of a, a version of, of freedom. Right. Um, so something that sounds like I want to be in business for myself because I want the freedom to work when I want, with whom I want, on what I want, how I want, etc. So there's a definition of freedom there. But what we often neglect in um, you know being honest and transparent about is, as soon as you get into business for yourself, you start trading many of those freedoms. And I'll I'll never forget when I um, I only spent six weeks in corporate post university before I started working on WeThemes full time. And I sat my dad down. I can remember like it was in our in our living room, old dated um, you know sofa. I can remember like had this floral pattern to it. Um, and I sat him down in my kind of corporate attire uh, that I only used for six weeks. And I said, you know, and in context here, my dad had, you know, since I was a, kind of a, a young adult at least, or a teenager for that matter, like I had some kind of um, intellectual kind of memory here. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur himself. And I sat my dad down and I said, dad, I, I want to quit my job. This thing I'm doing on the side is kind of, you know, making me the same amount of money that I'm getting from my corporate salary. I think it's safe to say that there's something there and I can make the jump. And he said, son, I don't think you should do this. Um, but if you do do this, just remember one thing, and it's that the kind of the, the toughest boss that you'll ever have is the boss that you'll be to yourself. And I kind of laughed it off at that stage because I didn't understand what he meant. And I I now understand more of that. And I'll connect the dots to why I say that kind of why I tell that story in relation to sacrificing freedoms. Right? If we take the the state of the world today, and we take the fact that all of us, most of us listening here have smartphones that we carry around in our pockets. We are super connected and we're more connected than we've ever been. And if you're a business kind of owner, then 
you're constantly connected to your business. There is so much, by the way, David, of my work that I can do purely for my phone, right? Yes, I can't necessarily kind of, you know, create a massive Excel spreadsheet, right? But I can have so many conversations, do so many kind of smaller things, keep the business machine moving forward just for my phone. But in saying that, that's a massive freedom that I've exchanged, right? For these other freedoms that I've gotten. Someone that has a nine to five corporate job, generally closes their office door at five and only think about work again next morning at nine when they get to office. Or, you know, they don't think, you mentioned thinking about work and stressing about it, you know, 2 a.m. or over a weekend. People that are employed generally don't have the similar level of stress. So that's why I think like, go back to what that initial reason is for starting a business. And that initial version that probably involves some kind of freedom that you want to attain by doing this thing. And then ask yourself, if you're starting out, does do you kind of um what is the likelihood of you achieving those freedoms right and what do you need to be aware of as you go on that journey and if you're in business and you kind of feel stuck and you feel like you don't have the freedoms like this has not been as great as you figured this this journey as an entrepreneur would be um you figure out how how you can perhaps realign your business to start giving you those freedoms that you that you wanted to kind of uh, pursue um and achieve at the start of your journey Wonderful stuff and uh, some great advice there from uh, Eddie Pinar. Uh, he is the author of Life Profitability, The New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. Uh, Eddie, this, is, uh, this book is available um, in, in bookstores and also online, isn't it? Yes, um, all major um, physical bookstores, um, those still exist. Um, exclusive books, the likes, um, should carry, still carries it. Um, it was a, a recent kind of recommended read in exclusive books um, as well, um, which is a, a which is a nice achievement. Um, and then otherwise, I think, um, you know, Take A Lot, Loot, um, the other kind of major online retailers also carries it and can get it to you within 48 hours. Cool. And then uh, on Amazon as well, I assume. Yes, for international readers, um, it's on, on Amazon, or if you prefer a digital copy Kindle, um, it is um, on the Amazon store, Amazon Kindle store as well. Fantastic stuff. Uh, go out, get it. It is a fantastic book, well worth uh, the read, well worth having it on your bookshelf. Uh, Eddie Pinar, thank you so much for taking the time out and having a chat to us. And uh, we wish you all the best and go from strength to strength with your new project. Awesome. Thanks so much, David. There we go. That wraps it up for what's involved this particular edition of it. To each and every one of you, look after yourselves, take care, and thank you for listening.